hear me when I call. next song is taken uh, primarily from Romans 8. 
And I uh, just want to encourage you, f- especially for those of you who may be going through some brokenness or some tough times right now. Uh, I know we all come to church with a smile on our faces and everything looks perfect on the outside, but um, if you're going through some hard times, some brokenness, just remember that uh, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So uh, I wanted to, with you guys, go ahead and read the first verse and the chorus of the song. So uh, let's all read this together, starting with not angels. Not angels, nor demons, no power on earth or heaven, not distance, nor danger, no trouble now or ever. Nothing can take me from your great love. Forever this truth remains. I belong, I belong to you. Let's say that once again. I belong, I belong to you. So uh, let's meditate on this as uh, Brenda will be singing the, f- the first verse and chorus alone. And then we'll, we'll come in and join in on the first verse after that. Okay.
nothing can take me from your great love. Nothing can take me from your great love. Seated above Thank you. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Harvest Community Church. Why don't, why don't you turn and then just welcome your neighbor this morning. Everyone, welcome to Harvest Community Church. We're really glad that you could join us this morning to worship God. Um, why don't we turn to the announcements? Uh, the first one is that um, we will be holding a child dedication on Father's Day. So if you're interested in dedicating your child, then um, mark that on your welcome card. Also, we're, uh, we're still in search of a of an additional driver for uh, the trailer. So if you want to get hitched, okay? <laughs> Maybe you don't, but <laughs> if you do, we have a job for you. So go ahead and mark that um, on your welcome card or, or contact Marissa Chow if you're interested. Um, summer camp registration is in full swing. So um, um, there's um, a list of um, volunteer positions. Um, and if you're, if you're interested in volunteering, then uh, go ahead and see Jerry Campbell for details. And also, the park is going to have a sports day today after service. So where's Fidel? Is he? Okay. You're going to hang out with the youth? Yes. With the youths? <laughs> okay. Okay. So no, no injuries, right? No sports injuries? <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to ask Daryl to come up to make an announcement. Good morning, everyone. I just wanted to make a brief announcement for this Friday where we will have prayer fellowship at 730 at Irvine Press Church. Um, in addition to gathering together to pray for all the prayer requests that we received this Sunday as well as in previous weeks, we'll also have the elders there to uh, pray privately with you if you have that need. So I want to invite everyone there. Uh, prayer in the life of each believer is, is vital, and prayer in the life of the church is vital as well. So please join us. Thanks, Daryl. And then the park is going to be meeting on Saturday, May 28th at 7 to 9 p.m. at Irvine Presbyterian Church. Um, the next prayer circle is going to be on Wednesday, June 1st. It's going to be at the Tom's house. And then there's going to be a grad party for um, uh, the park. And it's going to be on Friday, June 3rd at the Creekside uh, Pool in Woodbridge. So um, if you're interested in um, um, having your, your, uh, your children attend, RSVP to Ben. And then there's, we're going to have a kickoff summer barbecue, and that's going to be June 5th right after service. It's going to be in the gazebo behind the Senior Center. So make sure that you RSVP. I think um, you may have received an evite. So RSVP to the Evite if you're interested. And, you know, make sure that you invite your friends. This would be a, a great, great time to bring, you know, friends and, um, you know, people, especially people that may not know the Lord. The next couple's garden is going to be on June 10th, and that's going to be at um, Deerfield Community Park. So mark your calendars for that. So this morning, uh, Pastor Jerry is going to talk, be talking about abiding in Christ for the long run. And... Um, it's interesting that I'm, I'm the chairperson this morning because, you know, I, I've been a person that, um, that loves running, okay? I've been running since I've been in high school, and, 
I, I won't say run, loves, enjoys running. <laughs> okay, but, you know, if you run, you got you to gotta be outside and run. You know, the treadmill running, it's good for exercise, but you really, for me, I, I got to be outside. I, I have to enjoy, you know, the, the, um, surround, my surroundings and, you know, just being able to, to um, you know, feel the sunshine. And I love it when it's like a cooler day and, and there's a nice breeze. Now, I don't like it when you're running into a headwind, all right? Especially on a long run, running into a headwind. That, that's not too enjoyable. But when you turn around and you have the, the wind to your back, it, it's, it's really great to run. And, you know, in many, many ways, you know, running is, um, you can make an, an analogy to life and the challenges that we have. And especially as Christians, we have many, many challenges in our life. And, you know, um, for example, um, about a year and a half ago, I was running at night. Probably not a, not a smart thing to do, but I was running on a trail at night, and I stepped on a rock and broke my foot. Okay? So that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a good thing. <laughs> Some of the challenges that we have. But, you know, there's, there's a recovery to that also. And then, you know... Um, I also learned that you don't try to get back to running too soon before you heal because that just delays the process. So instead of being about a six to eight week healing process because I started running again, I had what's called delayed healing in my, in my bone and it took 12 weeks. All right. Um, also be careful when you're running with a big dog. Okay, so we have a 80, 85 pound lab that um, you know, I would run with and he hates crows. He, I mean, he absolutely hates crows. I think they tease him in the backyard. So he saw a crow, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I, I was actually running with him after one of my longer runs. So I was a little bit fatigued. He pulled me down, and I jammed my shoulder and got frozen shoulder, and it's still not the same. But, but you know, I mean, life is like that, right? We, we, we have challenges. We have, we have pains. We have suffering. But there's also, there's also enjoyment to it. And for me, it, it's, um, you know, it's setting a goal like running a marathon. I have to have some goal in my life because just running for the sake of running, it, it's hard to, to you know, get that preparation that you need, that training that you need to, to achieve that goal. So anyway, I'm going to turn it to, over to Pastor Jerry, and he'll, he'll talk a little bit more about the spiritual aspects of, of um, running the, long, the race and the long, abiding in Christ in the long run. Thank you, Dwayne. Appreciate it. I love to hear Dwayne's stories about running. <laughs> I don't enjoy running. <laughs> never have, never will. But that's just me. Um, thank you. And also, first of all, thank you to all of you, for many, or many of you, for praying for me and Priscilla the last few weeks. Um, you may have heard that I started radiation therapy last week for prostate cancer. And so I need to explain the process a little bit to you to clarify what's going on and uh, what the schedule will look like. So the radiation therapy is essentially is in two parts. Um, the first part, which I under underwent two weeks ago, was an internal focused radiation and that's what it sounded like when I was going through it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just want to clarify it was not like that. Um, 
But I went into the hospital on Monday, May 9th, had two rounds of treatment that day, stayed overnight, had two rounds of treatment the next day, stayed one more night to recuperate and recover and heal a little from the procedure, and then we went home the next day, on Wednesday. So from then until now, I've been recovering from this particular procedure, and while it wasn't like having a surgery, uh, there was a, a little bit of soreness and healing to deal with. Um, but I'm finished with that part of the therapy, the internal radiation. Uh, I have a follow-up visit this week to kind of check, check up on everything, make sure everything's okay. And then we're going to begin to schedule the second part of my uh, treatment, which will be external radiation. So I won't have to go into the hospital. It'll be outpatient. Um, I'll be going in a, about an hour but it's going to be an hour every day, five days a week, for five weeks. So 25 different sessions of treatment. And then hopefully I will be finished with that um, and pray that I'm cured of the cancer. The, the doctor's prognosis is good. He, said, he thinks that I should be cured of the cancer once I'm finished with the radiation. So again, we're so thankful for God's grace leading us to the right facility and the right doctor to have the right procedure for my case. And we trust in God's best for the outcome. And we're so thankful for all the love and concern and prayers and meals that some of many of you have provided for us. Um, it is truly a community of faith in action, very much like uh, was shared last week, um, and what we've been learning from the book of 1 John the Apostle John's letter of love to the church. In fact, that is exactly what Ben was referring to last week in his message when he excellently showed us the very command that Jesus wants us to obey to demonstrate our abiding in Christ is to love one another. So I'd like to open us in a little bit of prayer before I continue. Lord, thank you uh, for your grace in our lives. Um, it is, a, it is a race that we run. It is a race that you have placed us on. And uh, we each have our own path. We each have our own distance to run, our own goals in life. But our, our focus, our aim is to meet you someday. And we pray, Lord, that that would be, continue to be the very goal of, of each one of our lives, to know that we will see you face to face at one time and be able to... Feel your embrace. Thank you, Lord, for this church community, this uh, family of faith that have shown us love that we can share with one another. And may that be a beacon of light to the rest of the world that desperately needs to know who you are and to know your love. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I do plan on being around for a good bit longer, God willing. And your love for me and my family has certainly done much to help that along. We all want to live a fairly good, long life. Yes? Yeah? Um, who here wants to keep on living for a good, pretty good long time? Okay, so not everybody raised your hands. So either you're um, too shy to, to raise your hand or you're in denial. Um, or you just want to like, like live a you know, strong life quick and go, 
leave a good-looking corpse behind you? I don't know. That's what they say, right? Um, But how do we abide in Christ for the long run? How do we make life a marathon and not a sprint? We have several marathoners in our congregation. Raise your hand if you've ever run a marathon, half marathon, 5K, 3K, (laughs) 1K, walk around the block. (laughs) Um, The marathoners like Duane in our congregation, they know what it takes to run a long distance, to pace yourself, to know yourself, and to know what you can endure, and then to push yourself just a little bit beyond that. Christ wants us for the long haul. He really does. He doesn't want short-timers. He doesn't want one-hit wonders. He wants followers that will endure and see things to the very end. And when they finish that race, when they cross that finish line, Jesus will be there with a crown of righteousness, an embrace, and a well-done, good and faithful servant. Well, we already know kind of like what it means to abide in Christ. If you want to know how you're abiding, look how you are obeying. That's what we learned last week. But how do you keep abiding? When there are so many conflicting pressures and pulls that are coming from every direction, just like Dwayne's stories about running, how do you abide for the long haul? Well, as Ben mentioned the last couple of weeks, John did not write this letter in a vacuum. He was writing to a very real people going through very real issues in life. The biggest being these false teachers luring believers away from the church. So what does the the Apostle John want his uh, readers to remember? Well, it's first to keep your first love your first love. Keep your first love your first love. First John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17. He says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love, of the, fa- the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. John begins a section with a very strong command. Do not love the world or anything in the world. He says, if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Now, it's easy to read this and react with a question. What does he mean by loving the world or the things of the world? What does it mean by loving something that is worldly? You know, in the church, we frequently hear this, and it is sometimes interpreted as some behaviors, um, like drinking or smoking or dancing or seeing R-rated movies or some such kinds of behaviors. And we think, you know, if we just avoid this list of do's and don'ts, I should be okay. But that kind of thinking is a little bit short-sighted and leads to the worst kind of legalism. How does John describe it? What does he say here? Well, let's look at verse 16. He says, For everything in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. Now, this word he uses here, lust, lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes, certainly sounds like that laundry list of bad things that we should avoid, right? Certainly does sound like that. The Greek word here is epithumia, which is translated lust or craving or strong desire for what is forbidden. Lust, epithumia, equals lust or craving or strong desire for what is forbidden. It is an unusual desire, a naturally unusual desire and strong pull. And it goes beyond just fleshly desire. It impacts what we see in our vision as well. Now this test, if you will, can be applied to anything and everything. Not just booze or drugs or sex or whatever. Can be applied to good and healthy things as well. Like food. Like beauty or music. When it moves beyond this idea of a good thing that God has given to, to I've got to have it then it becomes something that is worldly. And that's how the world works, right? Isn't it? That's what marketing is all about. Marketing, marketeers want you to want something so bad that you will spend money that you don't really have to buy something that you don't really need to impress people that you don't really like. And that leads us to the third aspect of worldliness. And that is this boastful pride of life, this pride of having these things. The first two are wanting. The third is this pride in having. Now, I know that none of you have ever fallen prey to this, right? None of you, right? You've never, like, bought a new car and been driving down the road and, like, yeah, I'm pretty cool, yeah. Everybody's looking at me. Yeah, they want what I have. In fact, they want to be me. <laughs> it's not just about driving a new car either, is it? It may be about wearing a new piece of clothing or some new shoes. Um, you know, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why Facebook is so popular. Right? So people can post like pictures of where they've gone on vacation or this gourmet meal that they're eating right now or some event that they're at. Um, you know, don't deny it. <laughs> you know, I'm guilty of it more often times than I'd like to admit myself. But we, will, we like it when other people admire us or admire our style of life. But these things, John says, these things distract us away from our first love. Our first love should be God. This is, in fact, Satan's strategy from the very beginning. If we go all the way back to the very first temptation in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Satan is tempting Eve to eat the, the forbidden fruit, right? 
the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and pleasing to the eye, lust of the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, pride of life, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And those editions were mine, by the way. They're editorial editions. This is also true when Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness. In Matthew 4, Satan tempted Jesus three times. The first one, to turn stone to bread, lust of the flesh. The second, he took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the splendor of the world, and told him it would be his if he bowed down and worshipped Satan. Lust of the eyes. And third, he took Jesus to the top of the temple and said, Jesus, if you throw yourself down from this temple, God will rescue you, because he will protect you from harming your foot. Boastful pride of life. You see, there's nothing new in Satan's bag of tricks. It's the same thing that he tempts us with every day, every day. So the message here is to keep your first love, your first love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now that may take some evaluation. It may take a little bit of time and evaluation on your part. If you Google this, um, identifying personal idols. If you, if you Google this, you will see this PDF file. and it, That's part of it. It's actually like a three-page exercise, if you will, under that title, that will help you to identify the potential idols in your life. Things that are taking God's rightful place as the Lord of your life. It's an open and honest look at, at what are those things that have a strong pull and attraction for you. And they're not all bad things. They're not. In fact, most would be considered good and admirable. But it's how you see them, what place in your life they occupy, how you feel about them that is important to identify. And then you may need to submit these things to God and ask if you need to reevaluate your involvement with some of these things. It will be most helpful to you in keeping your first love, your first love. Well, secondly, John tells us to beware of liars denying Christ. Beware of liars denying Christ. He says, and he writes, Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For, they belo- for if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all you know, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? 
It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the, fa- and in the Father also. And again, as Ben pointed out, um, John likes to call out the liars, doesn't he? That's because the truth is so powerful and so important. And so John calls these people who aren't telling the truth not only liars, but the Antichrist. He calls them Antichrist. John speaks of the Antichrist, the one who, who in the end of time will, rede- will deceive many. But he also speaks of Antichrists, plural. Many smaller Antichrists who spread lies and deception. Now, who is this Antichrist? Who is the Antichrist? There have been many speculations in the past and many speculations even in the present. And there will be many speculations in the future. Since this is a presidential election year, um, you know, there's, there's always some connection that is made here, right? I remember when um, President Obama was first elected uh, eight years ago now. It's, it's hard to believe that it's been that year, that long. Um, and there was lots of speculation that, that Barack Obama might be the Antichrist. <laughs> I remember the first time Ben came as an intern, as the youth intern, and that was about six or seven years ago. And I remember there was one youth who asked him point blank, do you think Barack Obama is the Antichrist? (laughs) And just like us, it kind of gave us all a little chuckle. But that's something that we think of when we hear these names and terms, right? Let me just say that we don't necessarily need to know exactly who the Antichrist is ahead of time. God knows who the Antichrist is, we don't necessarily need to know. Rather, we should keep our eyes focused on the Christ, not on the Antichrist. It's been said that the best way to know what counterfeit money looks like is to know really well what the real deal looks like. I think in this case that applies to even a greater extent. So how does John define who the Antichrist is? What does he say? Verse 22, he says, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. You know, it's not so much that the Antichrist or these Antichrist plural are pure evil. Sometimes they're portrayed as like the devil or the son of devil himself. It's, I don't think it, that's really the picture. It's just that they deny and oppose Jesus as the Christ. And so they deny not only the Son, but the Father as well. John says these people came from the church. They came from us. He said, they came from us, but they left. They left the church. They caused a divide, a schism. 
These are not people seeking to keep the unity of the body and the faith. They are seeking to deceive and to divide. But, John says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all you know the truth. The truth is in you. You have been sealed by the Holy One, that is Christ, Jesus, with the Holy One, that is the Holy Spirit. And we are to remain in that truth. It's nothing new. It's what we've heard from the beginning. It's pretty simple, actually. It's pretty basic. Jesus is the Christ. He proved himself to be the Son of God by dying on the cross, by being resurrected from the dead. And he calls us to love one another. It's the same command. Nothing has changed. Not in the 70 or so years from the time Jesus rose from the dead to the time that John wrote this letter, to the thousands of years that have passed since that time. If somebody tells you something different, if they try to sell you a different gospel, if they try to teach you about a different Jesus, then they are the Antichrist, and they are telling lies. But verse 24 says, As for you, see to it that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Now, how is it that we can continue? How is it that we can remain, abide in Christ until the very end? Well, Jesus tells us to hold on to what you know is true. Hold on to what you know is true already by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing you teaches you about all things, and as as his anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has, has taught you, remain in him. Remain in him. Remain, continue, abide, they're all the same word in, in the Greek. Remain in him. God has not left us to fend for ourselves. He's not wanting for us to just, you know, flail away and try to live the Christian life. In fact, Jesus himself said he would send another, a helper, someone to walk beside us, to help us discern right from wrong, to help us guard against anything that would lead us astray. If you're willing to listen and obey, In the Gospel of John, the Apostle recorded Jesus' teaching on the promise and work of the Holy Spirit. Gospel of John chapters 14, 15, and 16 are Jesus' definitive description on his his gift of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit means in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, our guide, our advocate, our counselor. He is the Spirit of Christ living in and at work in the life of the believer. Jesus says that the Spirit will convict us and others of sin. He will give us words to speak when we don't know what to say, like he's doing right now with me. And he teaches us in all righteousness. 
He teaches us in all righteousness. John, in this letter, tells us that we have really no need for anyone to teach us. We have this anointing that teaches us about all things. We need to tap into that. It's important for us to hold on to what we already know through the teaching of the Holy Spirit in his word. And it's important so that we can finish well. So that we can finish well. John closes out this section saying, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. I'm not a marathon runner. Never run a marathon, nor do I think I ever will, nor do I ever wish to run a marathon. (laughs) But if I were to imagine myself as Dwayne, for instance, next week you're running, right? You're running the Ojai Marathon next Sunday. I imagine that after months of training, of sacrificing time and energy to prepare to race, then actually starting that long 26, is it 26.3 miles? That 26.3 mile journey with thousands of other people to struggle through the highs and lows of the adrenaline rush and hitting the wall to finally coming to the last few thousand yards and then a hundred yards, hearing the cheers of the crowd and then finally crossing that finish line. What an exhilarating feeling it must be. I think that's what John is describing here in verse 28 when he encourages us to continue in him so that when he appears, when Jesus appears, when Jesus returns to the earth in his second coming, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. It is finishing well, being prepared to come face to face, whether it's when we go home to be with him or if he comes back, to put a period on the story of God and his creation, to be confident that we have indeed finished well, that we have finished well. The old saying goes, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. In other words, it isn't true until it's been tested and tasted to be true. Our faith is only as good as our obedience and our perseverance. We can start the race of the Christian life well, but we also must finish well. And God has given us everything we need to finish that race. We have his word, which accurately defines his will. We have his spirit, which teaches us all things. And we have each other. We have this community of faith, this loving community, to be all to spur us on and to encourage us to be all that God wants us to be. We need one another, just as a marathon runner needs other runners around them. And they need the the crowds to cheer them on, to encourage each other, to keep each other accountable to finish the race and to doing the best that they can do. And just like the marathon runner, we need to keep our eyes 
fixed on that finish line. The goal of our faith is to see Jesus someday face to face. Let's pray. Father, life is a challenge, to say the least. We face many different things in life. Um, illness, cancer, uh, work-related uh, issues, relational issues. Many th- different things that can pull us off the track. Even things that are good, but that can be distracting, can can take our eyes off of the focus of our life. Lord, thank you for reminding us a very simple truth. We don't need to do anything fancy. We don't need to learn any new doctrines or any new teachings about Jesus or about the Holy Spirit. We just need to hold on to what we already know is true, the simple faith of Jesus' act of obedience himself on the cross and his redemption through that act of obedience. He he is redeeming our life day by day. And one day, Lord, as we look forward to that time of seeing you face to face, may we enjoy the embrace of our Savior. And may we enjoy hearing the words of our Redeemer, saying, enter, enter into paradise, enter into the kingdom. Well done, well done. We're going to continue our worship in giving back to God, and so as the ushers come forward and um, we'll be collecting offering, if you filled out that welcome card, you can just drop it in the bag as it goes by. Um, Don't feel obligated to participate in the offering. And um, we're going to close in this song that reminds us of exactly what we need to keep our eyes focused on.
This one 